112. We probably mentioned this in 111, but I'll, I'll mention it again because it's been several weeks. But Psalm 111 and Psalm 112 go together. Um, they are... Um, uh, they are both psalms that are structured in an acrostic. They, it's, it's a literary A, B, C, D. Psalm 111 does that um, in an effort to um, praise God. Psalm 112 does that in an effort to lay out a picture of the blessed man or the man who fears the Lord. And so there's some correspondence between these two. Um, if you read, you'll see that Psalm 112 picks up where Psalm 111 uh, leaves off uh, in verse 10 of Psalm 111. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all they that do his commandments. His praise endureth forever. Psalm 112 begins, praise ye the Lord. Blessed is the man that feareth the Lord that delighteth greatly in his commandments. So, um, just by way of, of introduction there, those two go together. They're structured very much the same. We have um, God and His works and who He is, praising the Lord for, uh, again, who He is. And then on the other side of it, we have praising God for His blessings that come to those who fear Him, those who walk with Him and so forth. And we'll look into that tonight. So let's start at the beginning, Psalm 112, starting in verse 1. It says, Praise ye the Lord. Blessed is the man that feareth the Lord, that delighteth greatly in his commandments. His seed shall be mighty upon the earth. The generation of the upright shall be blessed. Wealth and riches shall be in his house, and his righteousness endureth forever. Unto the upright there ariseth light in the darkness. He is gracious and full of compassion and righteous. A good man showeth favor and lendeth his, and lendeth. He will guide his affairs with discretion. Surely he shall not be moved forever. The righteous shall be in everlasting remembrance. He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. His heart is established. He shall not be afraid until he see the desire upon his enemies. He hath dispersed. He hath given to the poor. His righteousness endureth forever. His horn shall be exalted with honor. The wicked shall see it and be grieved. He shall gnash with his teeth and melt away. The desire of the wicked shall perish. And so that's Psalm 112. We... Think about a psalm like this, and um, it is very helpful to us. It's helpful to us in a lot of ways. It begins in a very familiar way in these series of psalms. Praise you, the Lord. We've talked about this. This is a series of Hallel psalms or Hallelujah psalms. But then it also, whenever you uh, get into the, the the first verse, it's um, uh, it begins in a very familiar way. Blessed is the man. Blessed is the man. We think about Psalm 1. We could think about the Beatitudes. This is a familiar phrase that we find in Scripture. 
Now, why is that helpful? Well, it's helpful for a couple of reasons. Um, on one hand, and I'm trying to think about even tonight, uh, we have two very heavy prayer requests. Um, and our hearts are, are, are drawn in sympathy and in love and in compassion. Um, we live in a fallen world with all kinds of trials, all kinds of struggles. You know, we don't get to decide what trials we're going to walk through. Don't you wish we did? We would just choose nothing, right? I mean, who would, who would choose anything? But that's not our choice. We don't get to choose. What we do get to choose is how we're going to work, walk through the trials that we are presented with. And Psalm 112 is very helpful in that regard. Blessed is the man who what? Who fears the Lord and who delights in his commandments. And then he continues to go through what's uh, going to be unfolded for us here in Psalm 112. So Psalm 112 is, we can, we can take it in a really concrete way um, and just, just ask the question. And it's a question that's worth asking. Do you want to know how to live a blessed life? And if you do, the Bible is very clear on how to do that. Now, a blessed life, depending on how we're thinking about that, could mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Sometimes people think that a blessed life is a, is a life that is just full of comfort and ease and there's no struggles and there are no trials and, and everything goes your way. That's not a blessed life. Okay? That, that's, a, that's a fantasy life. That life doesn't exist, but a blessed life does. And in a blessed life, there are troubles and trials, but there are provisions for you as you walk through them. In a blessed life, there are difficult decisions that have to be made, but there's wisdom for you as you face those decisions. What does it mean to live a blessed life? Or maybe the better question is, how do you live a blessed life? Well, it might sound simplistic, but it's a theme that you could stretch all the way through Scripture. How is it that an individual lives a life that's blessed? Well, Psalm 112 says it this way. Blessed is the man that feareth the Lord. That's the first one. You want to know how to live a blessed life? Live your life in the fear of the Lord. It's just another way of saying, live your life in a way that shows reverence. Live, in a life, live, live your life in a way that shows fear. Live your life in a way that shows that you take God seriously. The fear of the Lord. Secondly, blessed is the man that feareth the Lord, that delighteth greatly in his commandments. You want to live a blessed life, dedicate yourself to delighting in his word. 
that is um, a, a, a vital, regular relationship of not just reading and understanding, but meditating, delighting in the Word of God. Now, we there, there are several different aspects of this that show up again and again in Scripture that we could we could point to. So Psalm 112, uh, 1, how do you live to bless? Like, well, you fear the Lord. Well, what would it mean to fear the Lord? Well, Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10 says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, right? Proverbs pits these two contrasting lives, one against the other all the way through. You have the fool and you have the wise man. And they both live the same life in the same world. You understand what I mean when I say that? One lives it and navigates it in a wise way because he fears God. The other lives it and navigates it in a foolish way because he is um, ruled by his unbridled passions and he is simple and has no understanding. No regard for God's Word. Well, again, Psalm 112, 1b, he delights in the Word. We think about Psalm 1, verse 2. In his Word, he meditates day and night. And he delights in the law of the Lord. You know, the reality is, when we try to think about what does it mean to live a blessed life, the answer is not that difficult. Scripture does not give us confusing riddles that lead to a blessed life in the biblical sense. Now, it doesn't mean that living it out is easy. It just means understanding what it means isn't complicated. Fear the Lord. Delight in His Word. Meditate in His Word. And really, really the concrete way that we could kind of nail that down uh, is what Jesus gives us in Matthew chapter 7, 24 through 27. He says, this is the, this is the man who is wise. We're gonna, we're gonna use that in a synonymous way as the man who is blessed, because the man who has wisdom is the man who's blessed. And who is it? Well, he's the man who hears God's word. And he obeys it. And when the winds come and the rains come and the storms and everything begins to beat down on him and his house, it stands. Because he's built his life on the rock. He's cultivated a blessed life. And then here's the foolish man. He heard the word, but he didn't do anything with it. He didn't have the fear of the Lord. He didn't have wisdom. He knew it, but he didn't delight in it. He didn't think about it. He didn't obey it. He wasn't a doer of the word, James chapter 1, verse 22. And so when the fallen world that he lived in fell on him, his whole house collapsed and great was the fall thereof. So what does it mean? What does it mean to live a blessed life? Well, Psalm 112 isn't so much as interested in pressing that question all the way through 
as it is in unfolding what it means and what God produces in the man or the woman, the person who lives their lives in the fear of the Lord. But there's a couple of things that, that just are, are uh, irremovable from this blessed life. It's some things that, that you cannot do without and claim to fear the Lord. And that is a regular intake, meditation, and delight in the Word of God. You cannot say, I fear God, but I just don't have time to read His Word. That's not a fear of the Lord. You cannot say, I'm seeking wisdom, but I do not have time to figure out the biblical principles that may apply to this, that, or the other. If you don't have time for the Word, you don't really have time for the Lord in the sense of fearing God. That just doesn't work. But those who do fear the Lord are interested in both hearing what He has to say and doing what He has to say. And doing both of those things in full dependence on Him, not in self-sufficiency. So the blessed man is, we could encapsulate it this way, number one, delighting in God's Word. Number two, walking in God's Word. Number three, trusting in God's Word. If you want to know that the, in, in categories, out of Psalm 112, what the blessed man is doing, he's doing those three things. Delighting in the Word, walking in the Word, trusting in the Word. And the psalm says that's a blessed life. It brings things. It brings blessings to your life that you would not have otherwise. So let's look at those as we... It's a short psalm, but we could... Man, we could spend a long time uh, really uh, pulling those those various things out. We're going to look at them individually, but we're going to have to move quickly through some of these. So who is this blessed man and, and what are the blessings that this blessed man receives who lives his life in the fear of the Lord and who delights greatly in the commandments of God, the Word of God? Well, verse 2 says this, His seed shall be mighty upon the earth. The generation of the upright shall be blessed. The first thing that we... We read about the, the fruit of this blessed man. What he receives is, is also what he gives. That is, he's a, he's a blessing to those he loves. And he's a blessing to the generation of the upright. We could easily misunderstand what's being said in Psalm 112 verse 2. His seed shall be mighty upon the earth. The passage, uh, I thought this comment was helpful. The passage does not suggest that mighty offspring is a reward for faithful living, but rather that it is often the result of faithful living. Same concept we get in Proverbs. If you raise a child in a way that he will go, he will not turn from it. That's not an absolute, but it is a typical result. So what's the, what's the blessing? Well, the, the man who fears the Lord and, and delights 
in the Word, the man or the woman, we're using man in a generic sense here, the first thing that we find here is that he is a blessing to those that he loves and who loves him. Now think about how backward God's economy is from the world's economy. You would think if we were trying to read the attributes of success and the things that the blessed man receives and 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 the 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 fruit of a blessed man's life you would think it would be almost all consuming he gets this and he gets that and he gets this and he gets that that's not where he starts what greater joy can a man or a woman who is walking with God have than to know that God used them to have a sanctifying influence and an influence of blessing on the people they love the most. Isn't that a blessed thought? That's completely backwards to the world's train of thought. But he starts out here and says, his children will be mighty. It's it's talking about an influence. It's talking about their status. And it's connected to the fact that their parent lived a God-fearing life. Their generation will be blessed. I mean, we could go around the room now and we could talk about who were some of the major influences on your life spiritually. Some are still living, some are not. And we could fill the hour and then some. He's a blessing to his generation. He has had an influence for good. He goes on in verse 3, he says, Wealth and riches shall be in his house, and his righteousness endureth forever. So he's, he's prosperous. He's prosperous. Look in Proverbs chapter 3. Starting in verse 13, he says, Happy is the man that findeth wisdom, and the man that getteth understanding. For the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver, and the gain thereof than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies, and all the things thou canst desire are not to be compared unto her. Length of days is in her right hand, and in her left hand riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness and all her paths of peace. She is a tree of life to them that lay hold upon her and happy is everyone that retaineth her. Now, when Psalm 112 talks about the, the wealth and what we're calling here prosperity that comes to the man who fears the Lord, the woman who fears the Lord, the riches... Again, this is not a this is not a a one for one promise. There are some people who fear the Lord who will die in poverty as far as material things go. 
But Proverbs 3 is true for everyone who seeks after wisdom, for everyone who fears the Lord. They lay hold of wisdom and they lay hold of a tree of life. They lay hold of wisdom and they have something far better than the treasures that the world can give. They are prosperous and they have riches that the world know nothing about. Matthew chapter 6 verse 33 would play off of this. Seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. What's Jesus saying there? Jesus is saying if you seek God's kingdom first, if you fear the Lord, if you delight in his word, if you seek wisdom, then what you'll find is that God will care for your needs. You can spend your life chasing after all the things that the unbelievers chase after and never be satisfied. Or you can spend your life seeking God's kingdom first and you'll find out that what He does is He is faithful to give you not what you want, but what you need when you need it. So He's prosperous. Verse 4 Under the upright there ariseth light in the darkness. It's verse 4a. He has light or he has hope in the darkness. The reality is, is that for the man who fears the Lord, we've already mentioned it. He has days that are full of light. He has days that are full of darkness. There's trials, there's mountaintops, there's valleys. But the, the, the metaphor here as far as his light in the darkness is a metaphor of, of hope. Again, we've said this already. We don't get to choose our trials. We didn't get to choose necessarily. We didn't get to choose the world that we were born into. We live in a fallen world. Darkness is just a given. There's no way to get around that. For the one who fears the Lord, one of the provisions that God has given is hope in the midst of difficulty and darkness. And so we think about passages like Lamentations 3 that would, that would, uh, illustrate this. Jeremiah here is in a very dark season, dark place. Lamentations 3 verse 19, remembering mine affliction and my misery. The wormwood and the gall, my soul hath them still in remembrance and is humbled in me. This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because His compassions fail not. They're new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul, therefore will I hope in Him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for Him, to the soul that seeketh Him. And we could keep going. You know, there's some realities that never change despite your circumstance. In the darkest of circumstances, God's mercies are new every morning. In the most difficult of trials, God is good to those who wait on Him. 
in the most heart-wrenching circumstances, the Lord is your portion. That is, He has given Himself to you so that you're not walking through, as Brother Robert mentioned in his prayer, you're not walking through any of these dark valleys by yourself. He has pledged not just His help, but Himself. The man who fears the Lord, who delights in His Word, who walks in His Word, and who trusts in His Word is an individual who has hope in the midst of darkness. Next, he has a 4b, Psalm 112, verse 4. Last part of it. He is gracious and full of compassion and righteous. That is, he has a Christ-like character. He has a godly character. This individual who has spent time with the Lord, in the Lord's Word, seeking to trust Him and walk with Him, it shows up in His character. Psalm 115, this is just a few psalms over. In Psalm 115, in verse 8, he's speaking about those who make idols. The idols that don't have... I mean, they have mouths, but they can't speak, and they have ears, but they can't hear, and and can't smell. They have hands, but they can't handle, and feet, but can't walk. And then he says this in verse 8, They that make them are like them, so is everyone that trusteth in them. Well, we could go to Ephesians chapter 5, and we could go to other places to illustrate this or or to give the the more principles on this, but here's the reality. Your character will be conformed to the object that you worship. You will become more like, progressively, your object of worship. And so those who fear the Lord, obviously, are worshiping God. They are seeking to walk with Him. They are seeking to delight in His commands. They're seeking to trust in His promises. And so it's no surprise that their character begins to reflect. Here, he's just, he's really just uh, laying out some very uh, basic character, sweeping character qualities of of the Lord. They're going to be gracious. They're going to be full of compassion. They're going to be righteous. Why? Because you become like what you love. That's why. You become like what you worship. Next, in verse 5, a good man showeth favor and lendeth. He will guide his affairs with discretion. Does it mean to live a blessed life? What are some of the byproducts, characteristics of that? A man, again, who is delighting in the Word, walking in the Word, trusting in the Word. Well, this is a man who has discretion. It's just judgment. He knows how to exercise judgment. He has discernment. We think about Hebrews chapter 5, 13 and 14, where Paul says that milk is reserved for those who are unskillful, but meat is for those who, uh, through the exercise of their senses, the word senses there is the word judgment or discernment. Uh, I'm sorry, judgment or discretion. Through exercise of their judgment, have discernment. They can discern what's good and what's not. 
Well, I mean, we could preach a whole sermon just on this, couldn't we? The blessing of discretion. The blessing of discernment. When you think about that in light of the comparison contrast that goes all the way through the book of Proverbs, the fool will be destroyed because he lacks understanding, because he lacks discretion, because he lacks judgment. Paul prays in Philippians 1.9 that, uh, that the saints would gain judgment and discretion and discernment so that they could approve things that are excellent. And so part of the blessed life is a life that is growing in discernment out of this fear of the Lord and this interaction with His Word. Next, and, and, and we'll kind of bullet point some of these out of verse 6. Surely He shall not be moved forever. The righteous shall be in everlasting remembrance. So first, He's stable. He's steadfast. He's, he's not... He's not up and down and all around with the 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 winds of the culture, the winds of his circumstance. If you've lived very long, you realize we live in a world full of unstable people. And you would be right there. And perhaps you are right there if you haven't laid your foundation on the rock that will keep you stable through life's storms. Outside of a life that is committed to walking with the Lord and walking in His Word, the only alternative is for you to do what you think is best in the moment. And that will have you blown all over the place over the long term. It's a blessing to be stable. It's a blessing to be stable. And it's part of what comes with the blessed life. 6b says that he will be in everlasting remembrance. His influence is going to outlive him. That's a blessing, isn't it? Don't you want to influence? We've talked about this already in verse uh, verse 1 or verse 2. Yeah, verse 2. Don't you want your influence to be a blessing to those who live long after you? I do. I do. In a lot of ways, I see big picture. My job is to try to be a blessing in the way that I set things up for the guy who will come after me. Because unless the Lord comes back, there's plenty of folks who will follow me as pastor of this church if it remains, and I expect that it will. I hope that my influence long outlives me. I hope that yours long outlives you. And by that, I just mean influence for good, a blessing. How does that happen? Well, we could get creative. You might think, you know, what I'd like to do in order to have a lasting influence is maybe write a book. You know how many books have gone out of print? I mean, honestly. There's nothing wrong with writing a book. 
But that's certainly no guarantee that anybody's going to read it or even know it exists after you die. But in the sphere of influence in which you live, if you live a life that is characterized by the fear of the Lord, and we're thinking particularly the influence you could have on the people that are in your family and your influence and in the church and in the kingdom. I imagine we'll be telling stories about Brother Claude for a long time. He wouldn't have thought about writing a book. Instead, he just lived. And he lived a life that was consistent with a man who feared God, who loved his word, who sought to walk in his word, and who sought to trust in his word. It's an influence that's built on the, the legacy that you leave through the life that you live. Not because you had, you know, 50 great principles for life that you wrote down that other people got to read. His influence is going to outlive him. Next, in verses 7 and 8, He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. His heart is established. He shall not be afraid until he sees his desire upon his enemies. He's, he's courageous. He has courage. He's not afraid. He's not going to be afraid of evil tidings. He's not reactionary. He isn't constantly living in fear and anxiety based on what's going on around him. And why is that? Because he trusts in the Lord, that's why. It's easy to see that from the text. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. His heart is established. He shall not be afraid until he sees his desire upon his enemies. What does that mean? Well, we could just encapsulate it in this way. He's not a man who goes around putting his hopes in areas that the Lord is not guaranteed. And once he places his hope in the promises of the Lord, they stay there until he sees the expected end. He anticipates that God is going to be faithful, he or she, and, and, and isn't moved from that. Why? Because his heart is fixed there. Now, you know, as we read that, you know, if we were to try to take a roll call tonight and say who thinks they're already there, probably no hand would go up. Okay. This, is a, this is an encouragement of, of what we can grow into. This is also an encouragement of, of, of a, an, a life that is actively moving this way. So what I mean by that is there will never be an individual in the history of planet Earth or the history of the kingdom of God who somehow passively wasn't afraid because he passively, unintentionally, had his heart fixed on the Lord and passively trusted in God. You know, it was just kind of his default. That doesn't exist. The blessed man here has his heart fixed because he is intentionally striving to hide the word in his heart and is intentionally striving to take comfort and hope in God and in his promises. The last three, out of verse 9, he is dispersed, 
He has given to the poor. His righteousness endureth forever. His horn shall be exalted with honor. So 9a, he is a generous man. He has poured into. He has given here, we could think of this in, in material provisions, and that's legitimate. But we could also think in spiritual provisions as well. He has poured into other people. He's a generous individual. His character and influence endures. Again, that's the last half. His righteousness endures forever. His horn shall be exalted with honor. And then lastly in verse 10, the wicked shall see it and be grieved. He shall gnash with his teeth and melt away. The desire of the wicked shall perish. Last thing about this man who is the blessed man who fears the Lord is that he will be a grievance to the wicked. The wicked will see him and it will be a grievance to them. It says they will gnash with his teeth and melt away. Why is that? Because of the desire of the wicked will perish. The desire of the wicked will perish. And so there's plenty more we could pull out of this psalm. We could have parked it on any one of these and filled the 30, 40 minutes with that. I would encourage you to spend a little bit of time there before Sunday as we think about praying through it. This portrait of the blessed man, the man who fears the Lord, who delights in His Word, who walks in His Word, who trusts in His Word. May God bless that to be so of you and of me. Let's pray. Father, we, once again, we thank You. We thank You for Your Word. We thank You for the encouragement that it brings. We thank You for the instruction that it brings. We thank You for the hope that it brings. And in light of what we've said tonight, Lord, we thank You for the blessings that it brings. And so, Father, I pray that we would receive this psalm in faith. And I pray that we would be intentional about seeking to live it out in our own lives. Uh, Lord, would you give us the strength to do that? Would you give us the wisdom? Would you give us the endurance? Father, would you give us the discipline to be men and women who live lives in the fear of the Lord by delighting in, walking in, trusting in your word? I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.